This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? This is the first Sunday of the year 2020. Oh, my goodness, that just happened. Welcome to a new decade. Turn to the person next to you and say, welcome to a new decade. <laughs> we get to be together, and I'm so excited. I have good news for you today, church. All of you in Elk River and Maple Grove and Spring Lake Park. I have good news. The good news is this. You have nothing but opportunity ahead of you. There's a new story to be written, a new chapter. The end of the book has not been written. Come on, somebody. There is promise, there's hope, there's opportunity for you. And if you look over your shoulder and you're like, I am so glad 2019 is behind me. Because you had some stuff that just was a difficult year for you. I want you to know you have an opportunity in 2020 to write a new story. And those of you that had the best year of your life, listen, you don't have to have that hung around your neck as if that's the way it has to uh, always be with you and everything's compared to last year. There's new things that God has in store for you this year. And I'm very excited about it. You and your family's best days are not behind you. Your story is not finished. The final chapter has not been written. And thankfully, God doesn't leave our future up to our thinking and our mistakes and our failures. How many know he never quits on anybody? He never quits. He never gives up. And I know this. He's going to do something new. Isaiah 55 says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days, whatever those days are, when you pray, I will listen. Come on, somebody. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will what? Find me. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says this about you and me. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm so excited because the promise is that there are good things planned for you and me in 2020. That we can trust that if we're his masterpiece, how I many know his fingerprints are at work in our life. He's shaping us and forming us for the plans that he has for us. And to experience God's plan, you have to hear his voice. Say that with me. To experience God's plan, you have to hear his voice. And we can do something about it. We can learn to lean in and listen. And so as we start this new series called Unmuted, you have an opportunity, and so do I, to learn to hear his voice. Now, I want you to think about some inventions over time. How many know this is a TV remote? How many have one of these in your house? How many think this is one of the best inventions of all time? The TV remote allows you to stay where you are and navigate whatever you want to do. You can pause live TV so you can have a conversation with people. You can change the channel. You can record things. 
And nowadays, even with smart TVs, you can do phone calls and, and all kinds of other things through it. You can change the temperature in your house, all from a remote or even from your phone. But I want you to think back to the first TV remote. It was the Space Command 400 by Zenith. It had four buttons. The first three, on, off, channel up, and channel down. And those are incredible. But the fourth one, the mute button, was invented in 1956 by a guy named Robert Adler, an Austrian-born engineer who worked for the Zenith Radio Corporation in Chicago. And he hated commercials. Anybody with you? And he feared that those constant intrusions would kill the new medium of TV. So Zenith boasted in their advertisements that the mute button would allow viewers to shut off the sound of long, annoying commercials. And we are thankful for the mute button. Now, since then, we've been able to, to utilize the mute button in so many different things. You can use it on your phone. You can, you can use it on other devices in your house. You can even mute annoying people in social media that you don't like their posts. How many have ever muted somebody in social? I'm just curious. All right. Doesn't mean you have to unfriend them or whatever. It's just you mute them so that you're not seeing everything that they post all the time. Well, in January, we were going to be talking about muting the noises that distract us from our purpose, from being a full-life Christian, and finding our, discovering our story, and unmuting the voice of God in our lives. In fact, let's face it, working harder, learning more, making more money, getting more likes and followers isn't changing the world in you, and it's not changing the world around you. Wouldn't your family benefit from you hearing God's voice? Kids are growing up in a world of constant noise and anxiety. What would it be like if parents taught their kids how to learn to have the peace of God by watching their parents hit the mute button on temporary noise and unmute the clarity and peace that only comes from God? We're going to look at in this series a fan, at a fantastic individual who learned to hear the voice of God not just once, but throughout a lifetime. He started as a child, and he heard God's voice. But then as he moved forward into various decades of his story and his career, he continued to hear God's voice as a leader of Israel, and then later as one that was brought in just to advise people in the latter days of his life. And his name is Samuel. And I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. How many have your paper Bibles? Let me see them. Anybody got paper Bibles? Hold them in the air. Yeah, all right. How many have the electronic version? All right, you can follow along with the Emmanuel MN app and our notes on here. And you can utilize the scripture today, but I want to encourage you, use the word. Don't just read it up on the screen. Start making it a part of your story even when you come to church. I met a kid in the hallway before this service today, and uh, he was all excited because he had a Bible that had a carrier with a handle on it, and he got it for Christmas. And he was all proud of it and excited. And his little brother was right next to him. He's like, maybe they'll get me one too. And I'm like, that's exactly what I want in our church. I want our kids wanting the word. And they're only going to want the word if they see their parents carrying one. All right, let's move on. First Samuel chapter 3. You there with me? It says this. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Let me pause here. Samuel is an assistant in the temple, and Eli is the head priest, the lead 
prophet and priest for the nation of Israel. So this is the assistant, Samuel. It says, now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I'll move on here in a minute, but I want you to notice this is intentionally placed in this passage. And it's saying something about the context of the story we're about to read. The nation of Israel that had a glory in history past where God had intervened and done miracles and spoken and brought down the Ten Commandments and led the nation of Israel from, from the captivity into the desert and then into the promised land. All these years later, now they're not hearing from God anymore. And because they're not hearing from God, they're not getting any vision either. And let me tell you this, there's a direct correlation between you and I having personal vision for our story and our life and our ability to hear the voice of God. When you don't hear, you don't see. And one night, verse 2, Eli, who was almost blind, you see that? He's almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, the little boy, was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. How many like God to call out your name? Samuel, yes. Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli, the only one that he knew, his voice. And he says, here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli. <laughs> replied, go back to bed. And so he did. How many of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night by your kids? You're like, I'm trying to sleep. Don't wake me up. I need a glass of water. I wonder something else. Eli is bothered by it, right? Verse 6, then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Let me pause right here and we'll continue in this story. This is a powerful truth that I want you to see yourself in. And I want you to think about people who really don't have a relationship with God right now. They don't even know what the voice of God sounds like. They don't even understand the peace that passes understanding. Samuel heard a voice, and he didn't know how to interpret it. He didn't know how to make sense out of it. There are many people that go through life's experiences, and they can't make sense of it. It doesn't make sense. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why are these things happening to me? How do I interpret this? And they're running to all kinds of sources to try to give them an answer for what they're hearing. They're trying careers, and careers aren't answering them. They're trying to chase education and knowledge, and it's not filling the void. They're trying to go after relationships with other people, thinking that maybe if I get into a relationship, that will make me feel better. They're trying to go after money and resource and time. They're trying to chase all kinds of things. And meanwhile, every person that they're going to, the Eli's are telling them to go back to bed. All right? And finally, it says in verse 8, 
So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord calling the boy. See, Eli had heard that voice earlier in his life. And so now it took him three times to recognize, wait a second, God is speaking to the next generation. God is speaking to this boy. And so he tells him what to do about it. He said to Samuel, verse 9, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came, the fourth time I might add, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then, verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offering. I want you to catch in this amazing story that the vision has been lost by the leaders of the nation. They have no longer heard God's voice. And so because they are not hearing his voice, they're doing the wrong things. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel follows Judges, and the end of Judges says this, each one did what was right in their own eyes. If there was a critique that is parallel to today, I don't know what it is. People are making up truth. They're following feelings, and then their feelings are betraying them. And in that status, it's because the leaders I have no vision, they can't see, they're blind, just as Eli is almost blind because they haven't been hearing the creator's voice who gives the best direction. They had, in a sense, pushed the mute button to God. They had shut him out. And then God says right in this text that there is a consequence to shutting him out. There's sin. And how many know there's a judgment day coming? There is a day, and it's clear in the word of God, that judgment will come. We will give an account for what we do. Judgment will come. He says in verse 12, I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them. Right in the middle of a dark and a selfish and a godless world, God speaks to the next generation. Finally, Eli recognizes and he wakes up. And he does something that is beautiful. All of you that are a part of, of following faith for more than five years, I want you to hear me. You and I can identify with Eli in a good way in this text. We can help the generation around us and following us learn how to understand and discern the voice of God. 
We can join in. And Eli helps Samuel discern the voice of God. Each generation can help the next generation. Hidden within this story are nuggets we're going to look at over the next few weeks of this series. We're going to look at how to hear and listen to the voice of God. We're going to look at listening for the prophetic and getting your vision back. We're going to talk about speaking and living a prophetic witness with purpose to the world is around you. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, you can get your vision back. But the most critical thing today is I want to look at how to listen to God by muting and unmuting. The first thing is this. You need to listen to God by muting the noise around you. So much is going on all the time now. I was reflecting to my wife yesterday about just the amount of information that we consume in a short amount of time. I mean, think about this. When I was younger, I would read a newspaper about whatever happened the entire day before. And I would read it. I loved the newspaper. I would read the stats in the sports section first. And uh, I would go through all of that. But I would hear the account of it. But nowadays, all you got to do is scroll and you'll hear about what's going on in the Middle East. You'll hear about what's going on in the financial markets. You'll discover what's happening in the sports world or the latest Hollywood wedding. You'll discover all kinds of other information. And within one minute, you're consuming more than we did 20 years ago in a whole day. There's a, it's, it's, it's blowing my mind as I think about the amount of noise that's going in our ears. And it's impossible to hear when our attention is grabbed by something else. Uh, for us, distractions compete for our focus and our attention and our time and our energy. One of the things that in our house my wife hates the most is the TV. And the reason that she does is because I like to watch sports. Now, that's not new to you if you've come to this church for a while. I'm, I'm into sports. Part of the reason that I love to watch football and Basketball, I used to coach football and basketball. I'm into the strategy of it. As a matter of fact, when I get in a Sunday morning and I'm, I'm preaching, I like to think of myself as a coach sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm wanting you to win on the field. And we're in the locker room. And last week, didn't, the first half didn't go so well. We're going to go out there and win this week in the second half. And I, I think in terms of how do I help you succeed and what are the strategies needed. So I'm I don't just watch football. I watch everything about the sport. I'm thinking about the adjustments and what needs to happen. So when I'm watching a game, I'm really watching it, okay? Now, I know not everybody's this way. I know I'm a little bit dorky uh, with this, but I'm into it. But meanwhile, in the same house, on the other side of the room is my wife, and she wants to have a conversation with me. So while the game is going... And I'm hearing stuff going on there. She's talking. How I many know she gets frustrated sometimes because, uh, because I'm not really listening to her. I'm consumed by one thing. I can't listen to two things at the same time. To hear God, you, you need to deal with what's getting your attention. What's competing for your attention with God's voice. For me, I have to learn to actually Hit the mute button or hit the pause button or hit the off button in order for me to turn and actually listen to what she's saying. 
you have to learn to mute the noise around you. And obviously I'm using this as a metaphor for all the other noises that could be in your life. The busyness, the things get your attention. To hear God, let me ask a self-diagnostic question. Ask yourself this question. What is competing for my attention? Is it fun? Is it busyness? Is it work? Is it stress? Is it worry? Is it social media? Is your body getting too much attention? What do you mean by that, Pastor Nate? Well, I think, you know, it, the pendulum swings all over the place. Sometimes we let the body control everything and whatever we crave, we eat, and then we have the results of that. But then I think the pendulum swings the other way in our culture where we have too much attention on our temple. And we spend more time Diving in and studying what the sources of food are and how to do things exactly right that we don't even have time left over to read the word. We're more interested in so that noise can consume and distract us from the things that are the most important. Could be anything that occupies your attention. Jesus said this in Matthew 13. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. In 1 John 2, it says this, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We have to learn to stop and push the mute button, to recognize what is pulling at us, and willing to push mute to shut it down. That could be entertainment or social media. That could be friends. I've said this for decades now here at Emmanuel, but friends are like what? Elevators. They can take you up or they can take you down. And there are times when we've got to recognize we're being more influenced by things around us and the noise is going up we can't hear his voice. We can't hear his voice, and it's hurting us. Secondly, we need to mute the noise inside of you. We need to mute the noise inside of you. Thoughts are where the battle is. The things going on between your ears. Sometimes our fears, our worries, our insecurities are so loud that we can't hear God's voice. And then we begin to get into negative talk, negative thoughts, and the enemy will feed us lies. Of course, Jesus said in John 8 that he is the father of lies. And he drops them into our, our head and our heart, and then we find ourselves consumed with unforgiveness. And if you're in love with, you know, nobody thinks they're in love with, but if unforgiveness dominates your thinking, you are muting the voice of God internally. Because Jesus said, Forgive others as you're forgiven. You'll be forgiven as you do it for others. So if you're not forgiving others, guess what you're not getting? Forgiveness. 
And then it bounces around in your head and then you find yourself comparing yourself to someone else. And somebody else has hurt you. You've got a problem with someone. Somebody has hurt you and you're, on, you're offended. And you hold it inside. You don't let anybody near you. And because you don't let anybody near you, you're pushing every voice out, including the voice of God or the loved ones that are around you. And you're pushing them out. And every time you see that person that, on social media and they're happy, it drives you crazy. They shouldn't be happy. They hurt me. And now you've got this noise building inside your own head. And you can't hear the voice of God. You've got to learn to forgive. Turn to the person next to you and say, let it go. <laughs> but friends, sin will stop your ability to hear the voice. Sin isn't talked about in our culture much. In fact, anybody even says it, you're considered to be condescending and looking down at everybody around you. How many know I don't have to convince you sin is real? It's coming after you. It causes you to do the thing you don't want to do. It causes you to hurt the relationships around you. Sin is rampant in our culture, and now it's honored in places. But sin will mute the voice of God and shut the voice of God out of our story. And it's a little bit like this cell phone. I've got an a, a iPhone 11, and, of course, it's got a picture of my grandson on the screen. And uh, just pull this out, and how many know my whole world changes? Just like that. Um, but if I were to take this phone and I were to throw it down like it was a burrito or something, <laughs> I were to pick it up again and throw it down. And I were to do that about 100 times up here, Okay. Now, I'm pretty strong, so I could throw it down. I think I could cause some damage here. The screen is cracked and everything else. And then Jody were to call me. And I could see a little bit of light pop up, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know what's going on. And, and I, I pick it up, and I'll hear something like. <laughs> the reason I can't hear her isn't that she's not speaking. But I've damaged my receiver. You see, God wants to speak. He wants to talk and to whisper. But internally, sometimes, we've allowed sin to damage our ability to hear God's voice. And it snaps us on the ground. We need to have our receiver rebuilt. Come on, somebody. And humility and repentance is the mute button for sin. You don't just keep doing it and ask God to bless you. You don't stop and just go, why isn't God speaking to me anymore? But you're holding on to your sin or the pain or the worry internally. No, you bow your knee. You humble yourself before heaven. And you simply say, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Take this away from me. Humility is the way to go. And then repentance is changing your ways and saying, I refuse to go back and do the things that caused me damage in the first place. The third thing is this. We need to unmute and listen to God's voice. So we shut down the noise around us. We shut down the noise within us. But then we've got to listen. It's not just about in the Christian walk about a list of don'ts. 
Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Listen, friends, if that's all it was in rules and regulations, nobody wants to live that life. We do the shutting down of those other things so that we can hear the beautiful voice of God. When God speaks, he creates. When God speaks, he restores. When God speaks, he renews, he revives. He comes in and gives a joy that's unspeakable, a life unbelievable. He comes and releases his power into his saints. We shut the noise down down so that we can hear the voice of God. Can I get an amen, church? And it's not just about shutting those other voices about. It's about intentionally taking steps to hear. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. We need to hear the word. We need to listen to the word. We need to hear it in order for the faith to come back. In order for it to come back, we've got to listen. And listening is active listening. You know, I do premarital counseling, and every time I do, I sit with couples. And, and over the years, one of the things that I really challenge is this, don't just spend all your time preparing for a wedding. Prepare for a lifetime of marriage. Prepare for the relational journey that you're going to be on. And how many know you're going to fight? I know men and women are different. You didn't know that? They see the world different. They hear the world different. They want different things. They communicate different ways. And that's good. So that means there's going to be miscommunication at times. And when the miscommunication comes in, it's not a sign that you married the wrong person. It's an opportunity for you to draw closer by actively listening to them. By nature, our sin nature, we're selfish. If I were to take a group photo of you right now, and there was to be the people that are around you, I took a picture, and then you were to look at the phone. Who's the first person you look at in the picture? Yourself. By nature, we want to see ourselves first. But when it comes to relationships, we need to learn to listen the other way and see the other person's worldview and what they're thinking and why they're communicating the way they're communicating. In marriage, for Jody and I, I have to learn to lean in and listen. So when she's frustrated because I'm watching football and she says, you always watch football, what's up with football? I, I can't turn to her and go, what's evil about football? I mean, no, I'm not hearing what she's really saying. Actively listening is to learn to lean in and listen to what her heart is saying, not just her words. I want to know what's behind that. I mean, no, that's good for marriage, right? What she's really saying is, Nate, football is temporary, but our relationship is long-term, lifelong. And I want to feel valued by you just for a second or two so that we can communicate. And so I've had to learn to move away from my own way of listening and learning to listen in the way my wife needs me to listen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're going to listen to the voice of God, you're going to need to learn to listen the way he communicates. You're going to need to move away from just your way of doing things and learn to lean in to the creator's way of doing things. To his values are different than your values. So you have to learn to lean in. And of course, the first way you do that is through the word. In order to hear God, you have to read the word. To hear the word, you have to read it. You have to read it. I'm challenging Emmanuel. 
every day this year, as much as possible. And this is not a guilt trip if you miss a day or two or whatever. But read the word every day. Read the word every day. Say that with me. Read the word every day. Because you're given an opportunity for communication. You're given an opportunity to hear the voice of God. God has already spoken. It's guaranteed right on. It's God. You don't have to question it. It's God. And he's talking to you. This year, one of the things that we're doing and we're given an opportunity, I'm challenging everybody at Emmanuel, is to go through the Bible in one year. Um, there's a, a whole uh, study, an app for it. You can get it on our uh, Emmanuel MN app right now. It's right in there, a list of resources. And you can go in there and you can follow along. You can get it at the, at the app store for your phone. And here's the cool thing. You can read along, but I like to listen. Anybody here like to listen, not just read the words? I like to listen. So there's a function. You just push it, push play, and boom, you'll hear a British accent read the word of God to you. And it's awesome. And, uh, and then there's some commentary in between it. Nikki Gumbel, the founder of Alpha, which is a great organization helping people find Jesus. This is his, his voice. He and his wife, Pippa, do this every single day. And I want to challenge, I want to double dog dare you. I want to dare you to read the word and see if God doesn't begin to speak to your heart. Speak to your heart. You can read the Bible in one year. This unmuting God and, or unmuting the world and then, uh, or muting the world and, and then unmuting God's voice and letting him speak to you allows you to begin to hear his word. But then you also need to be able to say, what do I need to do in the busyness of life to slow myself down? so that I can hear his whisper. And many Christians around the world for many centuries, all the way back into biblical times, practice prayer and fasting. Prayer is communication to God. It's a dialogue with him. It doesn't have to be complicated. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't understand all this religion jargon and stuff. I don't understand all these religious practices. It's okay. You're much like Eli. You can learn. Or excuse me, you're much like Samuel. You can learn. Eli learned, and then he forgot what he's supposed to do. Samuel learned over time. He heard God's voice, but he didn't understand it. So he learned to discover it. He learned to listen and lean into what God was saying. And for you and I, we can do the same thing through prayer. It's communication to God and with God. It's also through fasting. Fasting is disconnection from the world. In other words, it's the mute button to the world. It's the mute button inside and outside of you. I love what Lisa Bevere says. She says, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. In fasting, we deny the comfort often legitimately found in the good things that God gives us, like food or drink or coffee. And instead of running to those comfort things, we run instead to God himself for consolation. Instead of running to those other things, we run to God. Fasting in the Bible, Aaron used it when his son dies. David fasted when his men, um, after they heard about Saul's death. Daniel refrains from eating meat or drinking wine in his lamentation. Sometimes an individual or an entire community beseeches God through fasting for forgiveness, for healing, for deliverance, for intervention. In other words, it's not just about what's going on in you. It's also about what's going on around you. How many know we live in a day and age where our nation is falling apart? 
People are fighting each other. They're pointing fingers. Sometimes we get caught up in the wrong noise. And we're not hearing God. And we care about our country. We care about people. We care about what's going on and the injustices around us. But we need to go to God. And so we've got to shut the voices and the solutions of the world around us down so that we can begin to hear the solution of heaven come our way. Fasting is situationally birthed. It's understanding the context of what's going around you. Circumstances prompt it. Fasting mourns the situation of our sin individually or collectively as a country and what is created. It seeks to restore intimacy with God through repentance. It is a desperate cry for patience and help, guidance and healing. Fasting intensifies the clarity of your plea. It acknowledges our weakness and our reliance on God's strength as we wait for him to intervene. This is why we're calling, and we're not the only ones, churches all around America are beginning a 21-day fast today. All the way from now until the 26th of this month, three weeks. And they're beginning a fast. Some people, they're, maybe if you're a veteran faster, you can, you can uh, go without food and Make sure that you got liquids and stuff. I wouldn't uh, suggest a complete fast for anybody here for three straight weeks. But I would say you can take a step to shut certain things down. Uh, I won't be doing social media for the next three weeks. I'm not going to go to things that typically get my attention in my time. I'm going to be drawing nearer to God, making sure I'm reading my Bible and that kind of thing. And I'm going to withdraw from some of the food items that are comfort to me. Because I believe that God, I want God to move in my life. I want God to move in my family. I want God to move in my church. I want God to move in my city. I want God to move in Minnesota. I want God to move in America. So I'm shutting things down. I'm calling us, church, to this 21 day of prayer and fasting. Not just withdraw from something, not just disconnection from the word, world, but prayer, seeking the face of God, leaning in and saying, God, would you move? Would you move? If you don't know how to fast, we've got a list of resources on our app. You can go right on there as well as on our website. Lots of great teaching. We've got a teaching on there from Pastor Andrew Mason and our discipleship communities. And there's a whole bunch of resources on fasting. I want to double dog dare you. Join the fast with us and see if God doesn't begin to move. And here's the good news. The good news is that God is speaking to the next generation. So Eli is in a place where he's away from God and he's lost all his vision. The nation is falling apart. He didn't deal with things, but God's not done. How many know God's still going to move? And he reaches out to the next generation and he begins to speak to Samuel. This week there was a, an event in Atlanta, the Passion Conference, where 65,000 young adults gathered together, not for a football game, not for some big monster truck event. They got together to seek the face of God because young adults want to hear God speak. They want to see a move of God, and quite frankly, they haven't been handed it from the generation ahead of them. Although we've got churches and churches are large, our nation hasn't improved. The heart of the nation hasn't changed. 
But the next generation is saying, we got to have something more than what we've experienced. We hear about miracles. We hear about change. We hear about revival. But we haven't seen it. And so they're not waiting to get it from us. They're not waiting for handouts from the generation ahead of them anymore. They're going bypassing us and going right to the throne. And now there's a, a challenge going out across actually the world that one million young adults are going to fast and pray throughout the whole year for revival in the nation, for people to turn back to God, for chains to be broken, for lives to be transformed, for marriages to be put back together, for orphans to find a home, for chains of injustice to be broken, for criminal things to, to be broken behind the scenes where there's injustice even within governments all around the world. God is going to move because those people aren't waiting for Washington to change their community. They're going to the throne. They're asking God to move. And church, if the next generation can do that, that's our job. I don't know what generation you're in, but you're in this generation right now. And we can't keep going to social media for our answers. We can't keep arguing over who's right and who's wrong in the political arena. We can't keep trying to take sides and hope that if we pick the right side, they're going to win on the field of play. We can't get so caught up on the temporary things that we miss the eternal. It's time for the people of God to hit their knees and begin to call upon God. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will hear, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Come on, somebody. It's time for the church to do what we're called to do. Psalm 71, 18. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation your mighty acts to all who are to come. Church, there's a crisis in our land. We have more knowledge and insight and opinion and still people are caught in a spiritual blindness that results in a confused and damaged series of relationships all around us. The blind are truly leading the blind. Our cities and our communities within the city, family units and children are blind and bumping into painful and scarring realities. People are literally making up their truth based on feelings and their feelings betray them, inflicting lifelong pain and suffering. Finger pointing is at an all time high and most people are comfortable pointing out all the wrong in leaders but have a difficult time taking responsibility for their self. You and I can hear the voice by muting the voices outside and inside and unmuting the voice of God in our soul. Today I want to challenge you on all of our campuses to humble yourself, to invite God to join your story. And if you do, he will answer you. Would you stand with me on each of our campuses today? We're going to go into worship and in just a moment. But I don't even want the noise of worship to prevent you from having a personal connection to God, allowing yourself to be face to face with the Creator. We challenge parents in here, under the sound of my voice, 
What are your kids experiencing? Are they getting a lot of noise? Is the voice of God heard in your home? Mom or dad, are you hearing God's voice? Are you leaning in? Because I tell you what, God wants to speak to your kids. When he begins to whisper to them and they run to you, you need to know it's God speaking to you. And you can help your kids grow in faith. All of us can learn to do that for the worlds and the people and the communities around us. You have friends, you have people around you. And God is speaking. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. He cares about people that aren't even in church, don't even think about church, aren't religious at all. And he's speaking to them. And when God begins to speak and you run into them the next day, it's important for you to recognize God's at work in their life and help them on their next step. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.